Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Well, you've been in a very interesting, good series called This Is Our Story. And I'm just going to tell you right out the gate, I am a history buff. I love history. And so this series is right up my alley because it's the history of who we are. And when I say who we are, I'm talking about we as the people of God. Pastor, you mentioned something that I I listened to a little bit of his message from last week that we are a people within a people. And this is the story of who we are. We are a people within a people. This is that story. And so this is what I'm excited to dive into. And I want to just tell you right out the gate, what is the point of my message? I want to talk to you this morning about the process of the seed. The process of the seed or the process of the promise. I'm going to jump around a lot this morning just to catch you up in case you missed last week, but... There's a, there's a promise that God makes in the Bible, in the book of Genesis, that you may have touched on in this series. It's after God destroyed the earth with the flood. And the Lord spoke to Noah whenever that was done. And God made some pretty interesting promises to Noah. And he told him, I would never destroy the world again with a flood. And then he goes on to say this, and I don't have the scripture up here, but this is what he says. He says, as long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. Now, we understand that naturally speaking, that is true. We will have hot days. Come on, South Louisiana. (laughs) We will have cold days about three weeks of that a year. We're going to have those process. We're going to have that process. It's going to be day. There's going to be night, but there's also going to be seed time and harvest. In other words, there's a process that a seed will go through to get to a harvest. And this will happen all throughout human history. Now, we all want harvest. We all love the harvest. We all love when God blesses us. We all love when that thing we've been praying for finally happens. But what we don't love is the process. We don't love when we have to go through stuff to get to the promised. But we do because as long as the earth remains, there will be seed, there will be a process, and then there will be a harvest. And I want to talk about this a little bit this morning because we're talking about the life of this man named Abram or Abraham in the Bible. And again, Pastor, you began this last week, but let me just give you a brief recap. This man, Abram, hears from God and God tells him, go, go where? I'll tell you when you get there. Talk about a faith journey. Just go. Where am I going? You'll know. It's like when you're single. Let me just talk to single people for a moment. Don't you hate when married people give you advice like, you're just going to know. How do I know when I found the right one? You just know. That doesn't make sense. 
But it's true. It's true. God says, go to the land. Just trust me. And in verse, excuse me, chapter, Genesis chapter 12, verse 7, this is something that happens. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your descendants. And Abram built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared to him. Now, Abram goes to this place. He finally gets to this land and God appears to him and says, I'm going to give this land to you and your descendants. Now, I want you to see something. Like we talked about a people within a people. This was a promise within a promise. This promise within a promise, the reason why I'm calling it that is because Abram didn't have any children at this time. And so for God to say, I'm going to give this land to your descendants, it presupposes that he's going to have descendants. And this is a man that's 75 years old without kids. If you have teenagers, I know you think that's a blessing. But Abram's 75 years old and he doesn't have any children, yet God is giving him this promise that he's going to give this land to his children. It's a very interesting thing. It's like when God speaks words over us. I'm going to use you. When God puts a promise in your heart, I'm going to use you. And our thought is, I'm looking at the now. God, how can you use me when I'm an addict? God, how can you use me when I'm a liar? How can you use me, God, when I'm struggling with this sin? Lord, I'm just trying to make it every day. Yet God is making these promises to who you are and what you're going to be. It's a promise within a promise. Because it presupposes that if I'm going to be what God has promised that I'm going to be, then I'm going to have to go through a process to get there. Promise within a promise. God knows who we are. He knows what he's doing. And he knows the process that he's going to take us through. Now, some of those promises don't make any sense to us. Because Abram was 75 years old. And like Pastor, you mentioned last week, this is before the little blue pill. <laughs> Don't act all holy in this church. You know what I'm talking about. This is before all of that. He's 75 and God's saying, you're going to have kids, lots of them. You're going to have descendants. Didn't make any sense. And later on, Abram even gets, he gets frustrated with the Lord. He gets upset with the Lord. And I won't read all of the scripture to you, but in Genesis chapter 15, I'm just going to go to verse 2. This is what Abram says to the Lord. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all of these things you've blessed me with? What good are all of these blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children. He goes on to talk about his servants are going to be his kids. And God says, that's not the case, Abram. And I love the honesty that Abram had with the Lord. I love his transparency with God. Lord, I'm mad. I'm frustrated. God, you said this, but I'm not seeing it. We've all been there. I know I've been there. God, you said this, but I feel a million miles away from this promise. But God's faithful. 
And God refocuses Abram. He encourages him. Can I just encourage you with something? When you're discouraged with something God has told you, go to God. Go to him with that discouragement. God is not up there going, ah, I can't believe I got to tell you this again. He knows you. And he also knows the process that he has you in. It's the process of the seed. Genesis 17, again, Abram got the promise at 75 years old. Chapter 17, verse 1 says this, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai. God Almighty, serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. This sounds encouraging. And the way we read the Bible, we, we read from chapter to chapter. But I want you to see from 75 to 99 span of 24 years that God is promising this man to give him the impossible. This was 24 years of waiting for a promise that shouldn't have happened when he was 75. Now he's old, old. And God shows up again and says, I'm going to give you this thing that I've promised you. I'm going to make you a father. And something interesting happens, and we're not going to go it for the sake of time because I want to jump right into our, our text for this morning. But it's in this chapter, and I believe, Pastor, you touched on it last week, that God changes his name. He changed his name from Abram, which meant exalted father, to Abraham, meaning the father of many. From exalted father to the father of many. Now, I want you to see this. God changes his name. God changes his identity because it was a part of the process. Part of becoming or part of getting the very thing that God has promised you is becoming the very person God wants you to be. Now, what's amazing about this is, is his name was Abram, which meant exalted father. He wasn't even living up to that name. He was 75 years old, not living up to his name. And somewhere between 75 and 99, he has a son, but his son is not the son God wanted him to have. He has a son named Ishmael, which was his compromise. Be careful while you're waiting on the promises of God that you don't compromise. Let me go back to this. Single people, let me mess with you. While you're waiting on God's best for your life, don't find yourself with an Ishmael. Because an Ishmael will bring you nothing but pain later on in life. The promise of God is worth waiting for. And it goes beyond single people, but that's one of the best examples that I can show you. Is that while you're waiting on that thing, and we all know, you all have that thing that you believe God has spoken to your heart. Don't compromise. Wait on the Lord. But his name was Abram, exalted father. He wasn't even that. Part of the process of God's promises is changing us. 
You know what? In our church, and many of you have experienced this, you hear Pastor you or Pastor Myra and Uncle Russ, we call each other man of God. We call you man of God. Come on, man of God. Good morning. Welcome to church, man of God. And some of you hear that and go, that's strange. Let me tell you what we're doing. We're accomplishing two things. Number one, if we don't remember your name, it is the perfect way to address you. <laughs> it is safe. Man of God. Pastor, you have known you for 14 years. Man of God, it's good to see you. The second thing that we're doing is we're speaking to who God has called you to be. We're calling out of you the thing that you don't even see. And it feels unnatural being called man of God because you see where you're at, but God sees where you are going. And the Lord will often speak to what he sees as the end result while we're stuck here looking at the seed going, I don't see this. God sees the fruitful tree. We see the seed. God knows what he's doing. So God changes his name. He changes his name. And then something, something incredible happens as well. I'm skipping past 17, chapter 17 and 19, and we get to chapter 20. This is how important that God thinks about the seed. This man, Abraham now, and his wife, Sarah, they show up in a land called Gerar. Gerar. And there's a king there by the name of Abimelech. And Abimelech looks at Sarah and says, she fine. Now, you know she had to be fine because at this point, she's probably 89 years old. So either Abimelech needed glasses or she just, God just preserved that woman. Come on, ladies. Some of y'all want that. Abimelech like, man, she's fine. Abraham, who's that? That's my sister. All right, you coming with me, girl. Yet the Lord shows up to Abimelech in a dream, and the Lord tells him, you're a dead man. Abimelech says, whoa, 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 I didn't do anything. The Lord says, I know, but I know what you were going to do. And he says, if you touch this woman, you and your people are going to die. And Bimelech says, okay, I'm not touching her. Lord, I didn't know. And the Lord says, I know you didn't know. That's why I kept you from sinning against me. That's why I kept you from sinning against this man and this woman. You, you were told she's his sister, but that's his wife. So Bimelech backs off. Why am I telling you this? What does this have to do? I want you to see something. God was protecting the seed. In that moment, what was important? The seed. And some of us think we have to protect the promise of God. You don't have to protect the promise of God. God will protect his own word. He watches over his word to perform it. So Abram, listen to me, Abraham and Sarah were powerless against the king of this nation. But God wasn't. And God said, if I said that Abraham and Sarah are going to become parents of this great nation and a people within the people, then that's exactly what's going to happen. Here's what you need to know. Your responsibility is to stay faithful to the promise. Yeah. 
God will do the rest. You position yourself in a place that God can transform you, transform your identity, and get your heart right, and he will do the rest. God, I I don't know, Lord, my kids, I don't know if they're ever going to serve you. If you got a word from the Lord, they're going to serve him. You need to know that. All you got to do is stay in position and stay faithful to his promise. Let me tell you when we lose, when we give up. That's when we forfeit the promise, when we give up on the seed. So God steps in and he, he deals with them. He deals with Abimelech and Abimelech sends Sarah right back. He doesn't touch her. And then what happens next is truly astounding. Genesis chapter 21 It finally happens. The Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. She became pregnant and she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. This happened at just the time God had said that it would. And Abraham named his son Isaac. Eight days after Isaac was born, Abraham circumcised him as God had commanded. Listen to this. Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born. How old was he when he received this promise? How old was he when it was fulfilled? 25 years of waiting on God. And we think it's hard for us to wait on God to move in our life. 25 years of waiting on the promise of God. My old pastor used to say it this way. God is never early, but he's almost late a whole bunch. (laughs) 100 years old, he receives the promise. He waited 25 years. The promises of God, listen to me, church, they are worth the wait. It is worth the wait. Do not give up on the seed. Genesis 21, verse, I mean, chapter 21, verse 6. And Sarah declared, God has brought me laughter. That's what Isaac's name means. It means laughter. All who hear about this will laugh with me. Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse a baby? Yet I have given Abraham a son in his old age. In other words, this is crazy. God, this is insane. She was 90. He was 100, and God gave them this child. Sometimes the promises of God, they make you look crazy. They will. They will make you look insane. What are you doing? I'm believing God. Why? Because he said so. Because he told me. And when it comes to pass, what made you look crazy will now make you look like a person of faith. Well, now, and listen, you may have gone through it with your knees rattling and shaking, but you trusted him. That's all that matters. You kept going. You held on. Sometimes, sometimes when you're waiting on the promises of God, you're going to wake up in the morning. God, I know exactly what you're going to do. Lord, I'm holding on. Other moments, you're going to wake up and you're going to go, Lord, I just need help today. Just please, God, I believe you said this. I I, I believe you said that to me, Lord. Hold on. It's about the seed. 
and he's bringing you through a process. Now we could end right here and this would be the great, this would be the best way to end the movie right here. You get Isaac, the 90-year-old woman is holding her baby. This is incredible and she's thinking, I got to nurse this thing and I'm 90, how's that going to work? But okay, God, I trust you. Everybody's smiling, everyone's happy, but that's not the end of the process. It's not the end of the process. When you receive a promise and God gives you the promise, it's still not over. Some of you prayed for a wife and God gave you one. And now you're mad at her. (laughs) Come on, can we be honest in the house of God? Some of you women, you, you, were, you were that single. You're just going to know. I don't want to hear that. You're just going to know. And then you see him, and you know. Oh. I mean, look at him. He's so handsome. He's got a six-pack. He's got long hair. 20 years later, he's got a keg, and that hair is a promise that's long gone. Right? I want kids, Pastor. I want God to bless me with children. And then they become teenagers. And you want to kill the very promise that God made to you. How about this one? I want God to use me. I want to be in ministry. I want to be a small group leader. And then you realize this would be great if it wasn't for the people. This would be awesome. Here's the main thing I want to share with you. Genesis chapter 22. I promise I'm not going to be too much longer. We'll be here until about 4.30, I promise, and then you'll be out. (laughs) Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. Are you kidding me? God, are you kidding me? Lord, I believed you for so long for this, and now you want me to give it up. God, I prayed for this for so long, and now you want. God, I didn't even want this. Are you kidding me? You put this desire in my heart. And then when I finally grabbed a hold of it, you made me wait for it. And now that I've waited for it and I've gotten it, God, now you're asking me to lay it down. Why would you do that? God, what are you doing? How many of you are being honest? You've asked yourself that question many times. God, what are you doing? I don't understand it. I don't understand it. I've seen this happen over and over in my own life. I've had God put dreams in my life. And those dreams come to pass and then eventually he makes me lay them down. He makes me lay them on the altar. And we're going to get to this in a moment. I don't want to jump ahead of myself. But God is not just asking 
God, God's not just asking Abraham, excuse me, to kill Isaac. He's asking him to sacrifice him. There's one thing to kill him. He's asking him to put him on the altar as a form of worship to God. That's what the sacrifice was. They weren't just sacrificing to kill. They were sacrificing as an offering to God. I can remember wanting to be a youth pastor so bad. I know I look young. I'm 41 years old. I can remember being, when somebody said, that's young, thank you. Tell my kids that, please. <laughs> but I can remember being in my 20s, going, God, I just want you to use me. I want you to use me. As a matter of fact, the first person that offered me a job as a youth pastor, I looked at them and I said, are you sure? You know how immature I am? You know how, are you sure? And they said, yeah. And there came a moment in the time, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit later, when I had to lay down being what I thought was my identity, being that youth pastor. See, when God was asking Abraham to sacrifice, it wasn't just sacrifice your kid. It is sacrifice your kid. It's also sacrifice the promise. It was also sacrifice your identity. He was supposed to be the father of many, and now he has this promise, and God is saying, lay it down. What do you do when God is asking you to lay down your identity? I also remember praying, God, give me the one, send me the one. And the Lord sent my wife. She's the one. But I remember that moment when God was dealing with my character and the pride in my heart, and we had to break up because I was prideful. And God was saying, lay down the very thing that I promised you. I remember that. I remember wanting to be a pastor, the pastor of a church. After saying, I never want to be a pastor. I, there used to be a joke when I was coming up in ministry, and they said, if I want to be a pastor, take an aspirin. It'll go away. <laughs> why would you say that? I'll tell you why. Because y'all are crazy. <laughs> that is why. I absolutely love what I do. I love the people I serve. I love our region. I love the area that I'm in. I hope that I die in the very place where God has called me to pastor. I really do. But there are some crazy people in that area. <laughs> but I can remember saying, I never want to do that. And all of a sudden, a desire developed in my heart to want to pastor a church. God, okay, I'm going to do this. I want to pastor a church. I want to do this. And then the Lord said, you want to do this? Yes. Lay down that desire. Lay it down. And before he gave it to me, I had to let it die. That's often the way that God works. And that's still a part of the process that he brings us through. Sometimes the very dream in your heart, the thing that you believe in God for, you want him to do, you're going to have to lay it down. You're going to have to let it die. Why would he ask us this? Because God wants us to love him more than to love what he gives us. That's why. Genesis 22, verse 3, this is what it says. The next morning, Abraham 
got up early, he saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God told him about. Let me stop there for a moment. Because God told him exactly where to go this time. Before it was go to the land that I'm going to send you. In this case, Abram had, Abraham excuse me, had a very clear picture and knew exactly where he was supposed to bring his son to sacrifice. Oftentimes we say, God, I know that God's telling me to do something and I have these options in front of me, but I'm just not sure what he wants me to do. Can I tell you the truth? Sometimes you know exactly what he wants you to do. You just don't want to. He was very specific and very clear with the thing that you needed to lay down, but we fight it. God, I'm not sure. Lord, please give me a sign. He's already spoken to you the thing that you need to lay down. The onus is on us to lay it down. Verse 4, on the third day of their journey, which is so interesting, we're going to come back to that, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. I want you to see this. Abraham had to do something to obey God. See, sometimes God speaks things to our hearts and we go, yeah, yeah, Lord, I'm going to do that. I'm going to obey that one day. Or yes, God, I surrender all, right? The worship team is up saying, we're our hands up. I surrender all. I'm not on a worship team. That's okay. I surrender all. We're singing that. But the way you live that is by doing something. Abraham didn't just say, okay, Lord, I give Isaac to you in my heart. No, 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 no. He had to get up, go on a journey, chop the wood, and go up the mountain. Obedience to God, sacrificing for God means doing something. That means more than what you sing on Sunday morning. It means what you do on Monday. It means more than the, the free songs that you feel here in the presence of God. It's the actions you take during the work week. That is making yourself, your life, a sacrifice for him. Laying it down. God, I'll follow you. I'm going to do something with what you've spoken to me. He did something. And God told him exactly where to go. Verse 6 so Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the wood and, excuse me, carried the fire and the, light, the knife. As the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. This is a heartbreaking moment for this man. Daddy, we have the fire. Daddy, we have the wood. But where's the offering? I want you to see this for a moment. Listen, don't miss this. There, there comes a time where that sacrifice is a theory. And it's a, con, it's, it's a concept in our mind. Yes, God, I'm going to give that to you. Yes, Lord, I'm going to lay it down. But there comes a point in time when you have to do it and it costs you something. And it hurts. It hurts to obey God sometimes. And here's a revelation that I told our church a couple weeks back. Why is it that we assume 
that the plan of God in our life is always the path of least resistance? Why do we automatically assume that the will of God for our life is the easy way of doing things? There are some moments where God will make things easy for you because he loves you and he wants to bless you. But there are some other moments where God himself will allow it to be hard for you. Why? Because he's doing something in you. He's doing something in you. And I know we don't want that. When we pray, listen, you don't have to clap. I'm, I don't, I'm not your pastor. I won't, you don't have to bring me back. It's okay. <laughs> but I want to help you. I want, I want to help you. I want you to see something. Sometimes the will of God is going through the hard thing. Sometimes the will of God will cause you to have some nights where you're crying. Sometimes the will of God will have some moments where now people are looking at you like you're crazy, not because of the blessing that he gave you, but because of the very thing you're sacrificing and the pain you're going through in order to obey God. That will happen. That will happen. It will cost you something. In this moment, here's this dad looking at the promise, looking at his son, And his son is asking, Dad, what are we doing? What are we doing, Dad? This is insane. This is crazy. We're out here to have a sacrifice, and we don't have a sacrifice. And Abraham's looking at him knowing, son, you're the sacrifice. You're the sacrifice. Don't assume that the will of God for your life is always the easiest route. Sometimes it is the hard way. And I would venture to say that many of you, if you look back over your life, some of the hardest moments in your life created something in you that is allowing you to stand right now that you would not have had that strength had you not gone through that. God is faithful to me, church. God is faithful to you, church. Why? Because God is faithful. But it's hard to remember that. It's hard to remember that when you're in the process. That's where faith comes in. Verse 8, I love what he says. I love how he responds to his son. God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. See, Abraham didn't, Abraham didn't get in the flesh in that moment. So I don't know what God's doing. I, I, don't, I don't know what God's doing. I don't know why God's asking me to do this stuff, why the Lord wants me to do this. I don't know what we're, what we're doing. So we're just trusting God. It don't make no sense. We're just trusting him. He didn't. He spoke in faith, and he said, son, God's going to provide. I wasn't planning on saying this, but let me speak to you husbands and, and dads for a moment. I heard the best definition of masculinity I've ever heard in my entire life. And I've been sharing it with our church for a while. Here's the definition of what a man is. Here's the definition of masculinity. It is the glad acceptance of sacrificial responsibility. Let me say that again. What is the definition of manhood? What is the definition of masculinity? It is the glad acceptance of sacrificial responsibility. What does a man do? A man says, I'm going to take responsibility for what God is telling our family. I'm going to take, God, I'm going to take sacrificial responsibility to make sure we're in the place that God can bless us. We're at the place God wants us. 
Abraham didn't put his emotions off on his son. He said, I'm going to take the responsibility because I'm the leader and I'm the one God's speaking to. Whether or not you're in church on Sunday morning, don't you look to your wife to make sure that you're ready for church. You get here. You're the leader. You take the responsibility. If your, family, if your wife is, I talked to a man yesterday, they're trying hard to get pregnant and they're not sure if they're going to be able to do it. And the wife is pursuing all of this stuff and the husband's getting, sitting in the background mad at her because she's upset about the process. And I told him, I said, listen to me, this thing is backwards. She should be trusting God and you should be bombarding heaven for this baby. You should be comforting her, standing in faith, going, baby, I don't understand what's happening, but we are going to believe God to the very end. Why? Because you're the leader. You're the man. Abraham showed us as men. You take responsibility and you obey God. Even when your family doesn't understand it, you obey the voice of the Lord. That's what men do. And in this very statement that he says, God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, the burnt offering, it was a prophecy. It was a prophetic word that came out of his mouth. I'll share that with you in a moment. Verse 9. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Verse 10, and Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied. I want you to get this picture. The knife is in his hand and he is fully ready to obey God. And the angel of the Lord says, stop. Stop. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Some of you are here today and you find it hard to trust God because of the things you've gone through. Let me just tell you something. God's plan is not to hurt you or harm you. His intention is not bad towards you. His intention towards you is good, and he is trustworthy. We can trust him. Abram's ready to do this, and the angel stops him. And God says, I know now, Abraham, that you love me more than the promise that I gave you. What does God want? He wants us. He wants us. He's protected the seed. He's given the promise. He's prepared the ground. He's tilled the soil. He's even let the thing sprout up. But what God wanted was Abraham. What does God want in your life? Not just the things he's promised you. Not just the family you're going to have. Not just the call on your life. Not just all the stuff that he said. God wants you. All of you, all of you. Verse 13, then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its thorns in the thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham named the place. We love singing about this. 
but we don't love this setting. Yahweh Yara or Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, he will be provided. Now, when did God provide this? When Abraham put him first. God provided the sacrifice when Abraham put him first. But I want you to see something. Because Abraham was a sign of faithfulness. He was faithful to God. But let me show you how much more faithful God is to us, even when we are unfaithful. Because there was a moment on a hill, not far if not on the same hill, that God himself provided a sacrifice. One that happened when we did not put him first. On the hill called Golgotha or Calvary. See, what was happening? Abraham was a picture. God, Abraham's obedience to God, his willingness to go through the process, his willingness to let God do what he was going to do in his heart, this willingness to say, yes, Lord, I'm going to trust you even when it doesn't make sense. His willingness to sacrifice his only son was only a picture for you and I of God's faithfulness to us. Because one day, if not on the same hill, in the same area, God himself was going to send his son to die on a cross. God didn't stop that sacrifice. God let his son be sacrificed for you. God allowed his son to die for you. And I'm going to wrap this all up here in a moment, but I want you to see something. If you're in the process today, I want to encourage you with this. This is what Jesus himself said in John chapter 12, verse 24. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. God has a plan. I'm going to end with these two things. I remember I mentioned being a youth pastor and having to lay that down. Listen, I was young and dumb, which when you say young, it normally presupposes dumb, but and all of a sudden I get in the ministry and I start getting these calls to go do ministry other places and people start offering me jobs and I start they start throwing out we'll pay you this if you come here and be our one of our pastors and we'll do this and I'm speaking to thousands of kids literally thousands of kids and my character wasn't intact and my pastor looked at me one day and said you're prideful and you're not listening to me. So I want you to step down out of ministry and I'm gonna send you to a school. I want you to give up your youth ministry. Give up what God, what you have taken on as your identity. Go lay it down. And I want you to go to a program called Master's Commission. I wanna do that. Well, I'm. 24 years old. There's a bunch of 18-year-olds like that made a difference. I want you to go there and lay it down. And everybody around me say, don't do that. 
We will pay you money to come with us. Leave that. Don't do that. But the voice of the Lord said, go. So I stepped out of the stuff that was so important to me, even the thing that I felt like God told me I was going to do, and I did what didn't make any sense to me. And I went to this church, and for about the next year, close to the next year of my life, I was treated like a nobody. I was told what to do by 19-year-olds. And what God was doing was humbling me and killing stuff in me and making me bleed. There were moments of tears. There were moments of, I don't understand this, God. There were moments of anger. There were moments of frustration, but God was in it. How do I know God was in it? There were moments where I felt like I was unfairly sent there, like it wasn't right, like there were accusations made against me that weren't true, all of those things. How do I know? Because fast forward, the church that I was sent to as a discipline, I'm now the pastor of. God took that season of my life and made me die to it, to position me to get me to the very place that he wanted me to ultimately be. It was his call all along. It was his plan all along. Jesus dying on the cross was God's plan in Abraham all along. How? Because what was the promise to Abraham? You're going to be a blessing to the nations of the world. Isaac was not the blessing to the nations of the world. The 12 tribes of Israel were not the blessing to the nations of the world. Jesus, who came from Abraham's very line, became the fulfillment of that promises and was the blessing to the nations of the world. So I want to pray for you this morning. I want to close in prayer. But I want to encourage you with this. You've heard us say this many times. You never know what's on the other side of your obedience. You never know what's on the other side of the sacrifice that God is asking you to make. But he is trustworthy and he is faithful. And if you will trust him, you will fulfill the process that leads you to the promise. Father, I thank you for your people today. Lord, I ask that you give grace to the, every person in this building who you've been tugging on their heart to lay some things down. Lord, maybe it's a bad relationship, not a marriage, but a bad relationship that you're asking them to lay it down. God, maybe it's their dreams and their aspirations for their children you're asking them to lay it down. God, maybe it's where they thought they would be by now. You're asking them to lay that down. And I pray for the grace of God to meet them right where they're at. Your word tells us that when we are unfaithful, you remain faithful. Thank you for your faithfulness to your people. Give them grace today to simply obey you, to go through the process so that one day they're bearing the fruit you've called them to bear. Bless your people today with every eye closed and every head bowed. If you're here today, and I 
talked about the fulfillment of that promise to Abraham. Let me let you know something. You are a part of that promise because you are the reason Jesus died on that cross on Calvary. You are the reason Jesus laid his life down on that hill of Golgotha. It was so that you can know him. It was so that the very sin that you've walked into this building with, you don't have to walk out of this building with. You can be what the Bible calls born again. You can be saved. Pastor, how do I do that? Jesus said this. He said, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven unless you are first born again. How do I do it? It's as simple as ABC. And the reason why I can say it's simple is because Jesus did all of the complicated stuff. He did the complicated part. A, you admit. Admit what? That you're a sinner. That there's sin in your life that has separated you from a holy God. And you don't make an excuse for it. You take the responsibility for it and say, this is the truth. This is where I'm at. B, you believe. Believe what? That God really did send his son as a sacrifice for you. You believe that his son died for you. And then see, you confess. Confess what? That he is now the Lord of your life. Not just Jesus is my Savior. No, no, no. Yes, he is that. But he is Lord, meaning I'm going to bow my knee and I'm going to follow him and I'm going to obey him with my life. If you'll do that, the price that Jesus paid was for you. And you can be free and you can be a child of God. So with no one looking around, if you're here this morning, you say, Pastor Gabe, I'm not right with God. I'm not born again, but I want to be. If, my, if you're saying that I can be saved, if I can be forgiven, I want that. I want to follow Jesus with my life. With no one looking around, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to lift up your hand. And all of us are going to pray a prayer out loud together. But I want to acknowledge who's making that decision today. One, two, three. If that's you, lift it up. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you. Lift it up high. Lift it up high. This is your moment. Thank you. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. In the back, back there. Anyone else? This is your moment. Don't miss this. Yes, ma'am. I see your hand. Yes, sir. I see your hand. Anyone else? Thank you. Praise God. Praise God. You can put them down. Now, church, let's pray this prayer out loud together. It's not the words that I'm going to say that's going to save you. It's the grace of God and the sacrifice of Jesus that's going to save you in your faith in this moment. Say this with me. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God. I believe on the cross you died for my sin, for my guilt, and for my shame. I believe you faced hell so I would not have to. And you rose again from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth and a relationship with the Father. I turn away from my sin. I repent of my sin. And I choose to follow you. And from this moment on, God, you're my Father. Jesus, you're my Savior. Holy Spirit, you're my helper. And heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen.